0: sins are scarlet they will be made white as snow it is your will father that all people be saved come to the knowledge of Christ come to the knowledge of the truth let truth shine through the nonsense father give your people courage thank you so much Lord name. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. It's a, it's that spirit of confusion that we talked about. It's that mistaken identity. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to be praying about that. You're right. I mean, we sort of touched on it just now, praying, you know, but, yeah, be in prayer about that. They were also given water away over at uh, Leo's Italian Grill off the road. I don't know if they still are, but they were, but it was water, if you, if, but it's it needs to be boiled because it's uh, their tap water. Christy also called yesterday and said that um, there were supplies and water and stuff out there um, next to Morelia's, uh, out there next to, uh, same, same plaza as Taco Cabana right there. Um, yeah, just so you know. I don't know if it's still there, but... And, and and I asked her which business she wasn't quite sure, so you wouldn't be able to call ahead. But if you happen to be driving out that way to get other stuff, you could stop in and look if you need something. Hmm. I was telling Tammy that I was excited in my spirit this morning. You know, got up. something stirred up in my spirit that that I I believe that we're just on the cusp of something. It's not just this body, but I feel because I had felt for these last several years that God was mobilizing his church, getting things in order and it seems like now he's getting ready to put some people into action that haven't been in action what it seems like in my heart, so I'd be praying about that because I'm excited in my heart it's not that I wasn't excited before, you understand but God God brings you up higher, you know Amen Let's turn over to the gospel of Mark chapter 10 Anybody else have anything before we get into this? Yes, no? All right. Thank you, Becky. Thank you, Iris. Thank God for the sunshine. That's right. Title of the... the what? Snowblind? I didn't. You know, you mean where you look out and you can't see nothing through the snow? You can't open your eyes. Oh, no. Literally, you cannot open your eyes. I did not. I did not. It's crazy. Sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. But no, but no, that didn't happen this time around. Um, Mark chapter 10, did I say that? Mark, Mark chapter 10. Uh, lately, as I've been praying and I've been writing these messages that we've had recently, it seems like God is having me teach on subjects that are here in the Word, but you rarely hear taught from the pulpit. Um, a couple weeks ago, he had a talk about the woman from Shunamm. Uh Last week we talked about how to pray for the nations, and I, I think there has been others, you know. So in this season, it seems like God is bringing things up that I personally have had to work harder to bring out for discussion. But even though these are all subjects by themselves, individually, I've noticed one central theme that God seems very intent on us learning well, and that is his desire for a relationship with us, an ever-deepening relationship with us. Hey, he wants to be in your heart. He wants to abolish lies. He wants to um, just love you and walk by your side. You know, God, the word said God is good for a reason. You know, um, this desire he's got for relationship, specifically sonship or daughtership. I don't think daughtership is really a word, but you know what I mean. Friendship from the standpoint of a son or a daughter to their father. You know, he doesn't want to harm us in any way. He doesn't want to deceive us. He doesn't want to take advantage of us. He's good, always. I And I, I feel strongly that, you know, I should remind you again, don't grow weary in this relationship with God. I think that sometimes Christians are honest with themselves about that. You know, because a relationship can, uh, it's work, it's it's work. It can tire you out. So endeavor not to grow weary in that relationship with God. And uh, also, it can be tiresome to hear the same thing over and over and over again. But faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And there are seasons in life where it seems like you're going around in circles or you're, you're trapped just kind of pressing up against a brick wall. It feels like you're banging your head against this wall and you can't get, you can't get through it. But when you, get, when you break that cycle or, you, or, or or say when God breaks the cycle for you or, or when the wall finally falls down, there is what we call breakthrough. And you come out on the other side refreshed and stronger. You do. Sometimes, and, and I mean... Sometimes you, end up, you, you get caught in the rut of waiting for a breakthrough. You really, don't lose sight of waiting on God. He's the one who brings the breakthrough. If, if, I, if I only start focusing on breakthrough, I just need a solution. I, I need a solution. Then I have taken my eyes off the one who brings the solution. And I get stuck in a pattern of waiting for a breakthrough. Okay? And, and I'm stuck. You know, and it's like, well, how come God won't bring the breakthrough? Because all I'm looking at is the breakthrough. I'm not looking to God. You know, and so, you know, when you come out of that, when God brings the breakthrough, you you you, you come out refreshed and stronger. And uh, in this case that we're talking about, your relationship with God will be refreshed and stronger because we're talking about breakthrough in a relationship with God. At least I'm talking about that right this second. the uh, the 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 title of the day's message is actually. When Jesus said no, and so it may seem like I'm kind of, you know, uh, pushing up against the point, but we'll get there. You know, because again, I'm just talking about this season right now where God is building relationship. I mean, he's always building relationship, but there's a season where he is focusing on building a relationship with you. You know, and those seasons can be trying And uh, at the same time, it seems to me, at least in my heart, that it seems like God seems to be a little bit more silent about some things than he usually is. But keep in mind, he's no less present. He's no less with you. You know. And I feel strongly that God is keying in on your relationship with him right now. At the same time, you know, uh, he's always about relationship. Again, I mean, he's always about relationship, but it just seems like he's putting an emphasis on that right now. I knew a guy in high school who had been a Christian at one time, even taught in Sunday school, but one day he decided to walk away from his faith, in Jesus just walked away. So I asked him about it. He said that after reading the Bible, he came to the conclusion that God made all these angels and all these people just to worship him, and so he, he, he said God must be extremely arrogant. God must be prideful. And you know, I didn't know as much now as, as I, or I, did, I, did, I, I didn't know as much then as I know now. I still don't know a whole lot yet, but I asked this guy, well, if if you had made everything, and you had made everyone on the planet, would you rather them worship you or your enemy? You know, and at least that got him thinking, but the conversation just kind of dropped and you know, he's still, he's still wandering far off from God today. Please pray for him. His name is John. But the question that I, that I asked him, that question never seemed like it was quite enough, you know, for me, you know, but looking back and see, you can't, you can't get stuck thinking, replaying past conversations in your head. But looking back on it, I did learn something. The, the question, the question that was in his mind, it wasn't really about God being prideful, God making every, everyone to worship him. God has no pride. Pride is just thinking of yourself as more important than you are. And wanting people to give you praise that you are not worthy of. But God is worthy of all praise. He's infinitely good, infinitely powerful, infinitely wise. He is worthy of all the worship that we could ever offer. In Isaiah, God says he made us for his glory. But that doesn't mean to worship him only. It's certainly included, you know. God's glory is the expression of his excellence, his goodness. And so he made you to worship him, yes, but he also made you so that he can be good to you. You Think think about that. God, the creator of the universe, made you so that he could be good to you. You got to let him be good to you. He made you so that he could adopt you through Jesus. If you said out loud that Jesus is your Lord, you believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, that is the kind of relationship that you have with him. Whether you're taking full advantage of that or not is up to you. So let's take a look here in Mark 10, verse 17. So this is Jesus here. Now is he, Jesus, was going out on the road. One came running knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now, Again, you may think it's strange for us to start here because I told you the title was when Jesus said no. And you'd be right in saying that Jesus did not say no here. He did not. Here, it was the guy who said no. Jesus won't deliver anybody who doesn't want to be delivered. Really, you know, the subject is that we all have many opportunities in life to say yes or no. I just focused on when Jesus said no because he said no a lot. Yes, to, a lot less than he said yes. But I think that it's important for Christians to understand that in certain circumstances it's okay to say no. You know, it's it's and, and as a Christian, it's obvious that we should say no to sinning. That's not really what I'm talking about here. Today I'm talking about those times when it's there's no clear right or wrong way. When something comes up that it's like, well, I don't know if I should say yes or no to that, because, I mean, if someone tempts you to sin, it's easy to say, that, or at least it's easy to identify that and say, no, I should say no to that, you know. Um, and so, again, when there's no clear right right or wrong way to take, that's really what we're talking about. So, ultimately... We're going, to take, we're going to look at a few times when Jesus said no and why he said no. And hopefully that will give us a groundwork for when to say no in those times. Now, to our flesh, the feelings behind yes or no should be simple in theory, right? If I desire to do something, my answer should be yes. If I don't desire to do something, my answer should be no, right? But with that thinking, that's flawed. It, problems arise very quickly with that thinking. For example, how many of you have ever seen a two-year-old told that he should share, share a toy he's holding? <laughs> you know, his heart may tell him it's the right thing to do, but his desire is to keep it, and therefore sharing is not his desire. So even if he knows he should say, should say yes, he wants to say no. Okay, so even at that young age, he's already at war with what he wants and what is right. It's the same with this, this rich guy, this rich young ruler we, we read about here. Jesus did, did Jesus not tell him to share what he had with the poor? Okay, and he has trouble with that even as an adult. I don't want to share. It's my stuff. It's my stuff. You know, it doesn't say that it was just money. It, he, he had great possessions. Jesus said, sell your possessions. He apparently had some kind of collection that was like, this stuff is great. Look at all this stuff I've accumulated not the, the issue for him wasn't money. You know God doesn't, but see God doesn't care if you have stuff. He cares if the stuff has you. You know I mentioned before one time what, that when we were reading this particular story to the kids, and they were much younger now than they are now. You know, and Isaac heard that Jesus told the man to sell all his possessions and give the money to the poor. And Isaac spoke up. He says, "You mean God wants me to sell all my Legos?" I said, no, no, that's not, no, that's not what it's about. I said, see, that command's not for everybody. Jesus didn't give that command to to everybody he talked to, did he? Just that one guy. See, at the leading of the Holy Spirit, Jesus always dealt with the heart of the matter. What is the motive? What's behind what's being said? God God knows the secrets of every heart. I mean, someone might say one thing, but God knows what's behind the words. He knows exactly why the person's saying it. That's why we say God has the key to every heart but he won't force himself on, it, on, on, on your heart. You know, So what happens here is that Jesus could see that this particular man was hung up on his possessions. So Jesus was simply going to remove the possessions from the equation. Trade your possessions for me. Give it up for me. This is why when it comes to gray areas like these, God calls some people to some things, and he calls other people to different things because everybody deals with different issues in their life. I mean, you know, even the blessings that we see in, in other people's lives. It has to do with that God's tailored those blessings for that person. So I might say, well, God did this one thing for this other person. Why didn't he do that for me? But I also you need know, as talking to Tim about that this morning. I also have to understand that they're a different part of the body than I am. If, if, they're, if they're a hand and I'm a foot, well, why would God give a glove to a foot? You know? So God deals with different people in different ways about, about negative things they're doing as well. So let's get into some examples of when Jesus said no here. So the first one that we're going to focus on when Jesus said no. First one's right here in this same chapter. Look down to verse 35 with me. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, to Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand, and the other on your left, in your glory. I think it's funny. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like uh, you know, it didn't matter which one of us. I mean, it's okay if I said, I mean, it's like, I don't want, I, I, I mean, I'm not greedy. I, I'll be the one on the left. It's fine. I just think it's fun. This is how, this is how people reason, right? Okay. I think it's funny. So, <laughs> so uh, they, they say, oh, yeah, grant us that we may sit. Okay, so then in verse 38, but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Okay, so just to explain here before we move on, just to explain what Jesus is asking them. You remember later when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to the cross, he prayed and asked the Father, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. So when he asked James and John this question about his cup and his baptism, he was talking about laying down his life on the cross, okay? That's why Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. (laughs) Just to clarify that. Verse 39, they said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, But it is for those for whom it is prepared. The amount of suffering that Jesus endured to set us free, it just staggers me. How could I say no to him? So, they asked to sit on his right hand and on his left in his kingdom, and his answer was, No, that's not mine to give. It seems to me that when you consider saying no to something, you should always be thinking of why you should say no. And in this case, Jesus said it was beyond his authority to grant that request. That's beyond that's beyond my authority someone asks you to do something beyond the reach of your authority or or if they ask you for something that you have no authority to grant that is a great opportunity for you to say no no can't do it I remember one time when I was in high school and this is just a, this is a <laughs> God brought this to my remembrance when I was t- I said Lord is there is there, a, is there a story something that we can illustrate this way he reminded me of this story and it's 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 so bad, it's so hard to tell. so I was in high school. my cousins were hanging out at my house, and we were just hanging out um, playing video games or something I don't know. My mom came in and she says uh, she, she, she told me that my dad was working on he's out in the front digging a stump, digging out a stump in the front yard. We had a, it wasn't like a huge a huge stump, but it was a it was a probably you know decent sized stump so he's out there uh, working on this stump in the front yard. she says, he, he needs your help I was like, okay so." You know, we didn't really want to. Of course, the flush is like, I'd rather sit here and play video games, but okay, fine. So we get up, and we go out there, and we look at it. And actually, Dad, had, he had soaked the ground around it with a hose, and then he had gone to the store to get some stuff. And so we were to, to start, start at it. That he hadn't actually broken ground yet. We were, we were to start at it and be working on it when he got back. And uh, so my cousin says, uh, these shoes that I'm wearing are new. He said, I don't want to ruin them. Is there? Do you have a pair of work shoes I could borrow? And I told him, I said, well, I don't have any spare work shoes. I said, but let's go see what my dad has. (laughs) It's so bad. (laughs) So we went went back into the house, and we're we're poking around dad's closet. Dad's got, he's not there. He's not there, and and my mom's in the kitchen. She's she's doing stuff in there. And so we're poking around his closet, and and there weren't any work shoes. Apparently, he was already wearing them, you know. I'm like, I'm surprised he didn't have more than one work shoe. He works all the time, you know. But anyway, so there wasn't anything in there. But I I pulled out this pair of shoes that I found in a box. That was that should have been my first clue that I shouldn't have pulled these out. So I I pulled them out and I handed them to my cousin. I could I could swear, guys, that I that I never saw him wear these shoes. Okay, so I'm like, oh, these are probably he probably just doesn't like him. He's just holding on to them. you know. Uh, so I handed them to him and and he looks at them and he goes, Are you sure it's okay to wear these? They look new. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, that That should have been a, another clue, right? Okay, even even the person that's got them is like, I don't know about this. Are you sure about this? You know, and so I'm like, I'm like, oh no, it's fine. He never wears them. It's okay. And so we go back out there and we're working and, because uh, he had the shoes on, right? So by the time my dad gets back, we've got shovels and we're knee deep in this pond of mud, you know, he. I mean, you know, my, my cousins have got shovels, I've got loppers, I'm, I'm Cutting roots and and stuff, and we're in this we're in this mud, and I'm thinking, man, Dad's gonna be proud of me. I'm actually helping with something, what you know, for once, right? And so uh, Dad gets back, and he's and he he stops over and, and and he looks at the shoes. And he says, "Are those your shoes?" Because he's thinking probably those look familiar, right? You know, but I, I you know, and so he, he says, and my, and my cousin goes, uh, "No, no, uh, Phil Phil said. Now, of course, you know that's." He's justified in doing that, right? Because I am the one that gave him the shoes. So he's like, Phil said that it was okay. He, he said, it's okay, right? I, 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 he's, and, and dad didn't say anything. He just, he just went inside. And so we just kept on working, and we're out there working. And a little while later, my mom comes out, and she says, those shoes are brand new. Your dad just bought them. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> and I, I really, I, 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 I don't know why my cousin was the one who looked so scared, because I was the one that, I, that was worried about drinking the same cup that Jesus drank from, right? You know, I'm like, oh, no. You know, but actually the truth is my dad was pretty forgiving about it. But <laughs> it, it did look, it, it looked bad for a little while. It, it looked like I wasn't going to make it to my next birthday. So the lesson here, though, is that we should closely examine the limits of our authority okay, before we hand our cousin a, a brand new pair of white cross trainers, okay? What are the limits of my authority? What can I do? What should I, you know, what should I not go beyond? What's my, my, my boundary, right? And that's all I got to say about that. So, all right. <laughs> I want to move on. I want to move on now to the next example. So, keep, keep your finger here in or or put a, just a, a, a bookmark because we're just going to turn over to Mark chapter 11 just one chapter over from where we are that story made me thirsty it <laughs> right I'm thirsty because I'm remembering the hard work right so here at Mark 11 down to verse 27 so we're still focusing on Jesus here so then they came to, again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests... You okay? Need prayer? Okay. Need some water? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, here we go. So they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one question. This is the only time you find that Jesus did this. Most of the time he answered their questions. But this time he's like, I'll ask you a question first. So I also will ask you one question. Then answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people, for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus answered and said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And Jesus actually continued talking with them here, and he, and he called them to account, really. Uh, but uh, we're, we're going to stop right here, right where he told them no. Now, in this case, Jesus said no Simply because he had no obligation to say yes. People you encounter may try to impose a social contract on you. This happened a little while back. I mean, uh, uh, Isaac was, was talking to, talking to some, some guy on the internet about Jesus. And actually the guy was like, do you have any, any, any proof of God, you know? And, he's, and, uh, and so Isaac's engaged in this. And I told Isaac, I said, you've got to cut the cord off a quick with people like this who just want to argue. You know, but the guy was like, he said, the burden of proof is on you. Isaac said, can you just help me? Can you pitch it for me? You know, help me out. I said, sure. And so I sat down. I said, the burden of proof is not on me. I said, the burden of proof is on God. He said, well, God proves himself. God proves himself, does he? He said, that's not how it works. I said, if God's a person, yes, that's how it works. God is a person, and he does bear witness of himself. So I said, you've obviously examined all the evidence, or at least some evidence, and you have just dismissed it. So that's on you. And that made the guy mad. That makes people mad when you hold them accountable. When you tell them, sorry, but the decision is yours. It doesn't have anything to do with me. You may think you proved me wrong, but that doesn't mean anything. Right? So people have this, they try, they might. They they impose a social contract. And his his thinking was, you have to continue arguing with me. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I don't. I don't. You know. They believe just because they ask you a question that you must respond. And in a case like this, where these people, their intention was to accuse Jesus of being a false teacher, you know, you know, if someone does that to you, you don't really have to panic. Jesus simply turned their own question back on them, you know, and because they wouldn't answer the question about John's authority, Jesus was under no obligation to answer the question about his authority. So if Jesus had, because because, could Jesus have answered their question? Yes, but if he had done that, then they would have been ready to crucify him right then, because they would have said, well, you're blaspheming. If he'd said, I'm the son of God, that's the authority I have, they would accuse him of blaspheming, but see, apparently wasn't his time yet. You go through the gospels and you see that it's not Jesus' time yet. He escaped many times, but it was simply because it wasn't time for him to go to the cross. And so, you know, this question leads me into why this whole teaching came about. Why, you know, why this was so strong on my heart. I had been studying the life of a German priest named Jan Hus. And he was excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church because he had spoken out against some of their teachings that were not biblical. Um, And a couple years later, a couple years after he had been excommunicated, they asked him to come back and testify about his views on these teachings. And when he came, they arrested him and told him to recant. And he wouldn't recant, so they burned him at the stake. Okay, now, I'm not, I'm not here to call out any specific church or anything. I mean, all the churches have some kind of error, you know, But and we, we forgive him, we move on. But my point is this. When they asked him to come, should he have said yes? That's the question. That's, again, because we're dealing with a gray area here. It, it, in other words, there have been martyrs or have there been martyrs that didn't necessarily have to be martyrs? You know, I mean, from what we, believe, from what we read in the Bible, it seems like um, almost like, for some, martyrdom was a choice. Okay? Like Paul said, I'm torn between two things. I, 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 you know, I desire to go home to be with the Lord, which is far better for me, but if I stay, it's better for you. And it's like, what's he, what's he talking about here? Is he actually talking about deciding whether he's going to be martyred or not? And so, you know, to me, when it comes to martyrdom, you know, when someone understands who they are in Christ, it's almost like they just make a choice to lay down their life. You know, like Stephen, when he was martyred, he, he, they, they asked him to bring a defense. He could have, I mean, he could have refuted, they were, he was in a, cor- a trial, and instead of simply refuting the evidence that they, the false evidence that they brought against him, he started preaching to them under the power of the Holy Spirit. He chose to do that. He could have been acquitted. Because they didn't have any real reason, they didn't have any grounds to accuse him of anything. So, what it seems to me like, when if 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 this is the case, that God usually gives a, a great sense of peace to the one who's about to lay down their life, seems it just seems that way. Just seems that way. Okay. Seems like it was that way for both Paul and Peter and and Peter uh, Stephen as well. You know, because. Peter, I mean, I mean, Stephen, they're stoning him, and he's like, Lord, don't charge him with this sin. When he said that, he fell asleep. Because so he fell asleep. So, you know, why, why am I saying this? Because I believe that saying no many times can save you unnecessary pain. You know, here in Mark 11, saying no gave Jesus more time to accomplish more work for finding the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he said, I came, I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I came to seek and save that which is lost. It gave him more time to do that before he eventually did go to the cross. You know, I, I mean, I would die for my faith in Jesus, no doubt, but unless God was telling me to, I would certainly look to avoid that. I mean, there's, there's much work to be done for the kingdom that I can still do now. You know, I'll, I'll let God lead me in what work needs to be done and when. It reminds me of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. You go back and you read the book of Nehemiah. God sent him to, from Babylon back to Israel to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem and the gates. Okay, and so while he's doing that, there's these foreigners that have been relocated back there, and they, didn't, they tried to stop him building the wall. They kept sending him letters of false rumors that he was building the wall just so that he could become the king. They kept saying, you need to come talk to us about it. Every time they did that, he'd say, no, I'm not coming to talk to you. I'm doing a work here. I'm not, I'm not going to come talk to you about that. Probably, be, I mean, it's probably obvious that they, their plan was to ambush him and kill him as soon as he got there. And he's like, I'm not leaving the work. i got work to do here. Okay. And we, and we know that it's not because he was cowardly, because later on someone told him that there were people plotting to kill him and that she, he should lock himself in the temple. He said, no, I'm not going to lock myself. I'm not going to save myself while there's other people that, you know. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to leave other people to die. I'm not going to do that. So he just kept on with the work. So you see, sometimes it's very appropriate to say no. And again, Jesus said no here because he had no obligation to say yes. I don't don't have to tell you that. I don't have to grant that request. Amen. So our our last example is in Luke, but I'm not going to turn over there because it's just a couple verses. But just so you know, it's Luke 12, 13, and 14. If you want to write that down, look it up later. Luke 12, 13, and 14. And there, one day Jesus was teaching. He's just teaching. And someone cried out from the crowd, teacher, make my brother split the inheritance with me. Apparently, the guy's father had passed away, leaving this guy's brother with all the inheritance. And this guy wanted Jesus to arbitrate a deal for him to get get part of the inheritance from his father. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge in matters such as that? (laughs) That's how the NLT renders it. I like the way the NLT renders that. But what was Jesus' response? No. No. Not going to do that. And notice that Jesus didn't, he didn't give any of these people a harsh no. Did you notice that? He, 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 he just explained why he wasn't going to grant those requests. That's important to tell people why. Mm, can't do that because of this. You know. This time it was because Jesus, Jesus it wasn't any of his business. And he had no intention of making it his business. He could have, but he's like, no, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to arbitrate. You know, I, I, I didn't come to, 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 to make decisions in the legal disputes of men. That's not why I came. came to seek and save the lost. That's why I came. Because that would distract him from the true work that God had him to do. Sometimes, as a Christian, people will come to you with requests that fall out of your commission. Sometimes it looks like it's good. Sometimes it looks like God may want you to do that. But, you know, um, one time uh, a lady told me uh, that her sister-in-law called her and asked her to pray about something. And it wasn't anything really out of the ordinary that someone might ask a person to pray about. But for some reason, she just felt in her heart that she shouldn't say yes to this. And so she's like, I wonder why, you know, so she just just asked her sister, she just said, well, why are you asking me to pray about this? And her sister-in-law replied, because you're closer to God than I am. (laughs) It's a good thing she listened to her heart, because that's a problem. The word says there's only one mediator between God and man, that's Jesus. See, see... We come to the Father in Jesus' name. That's why Jesus said, ask in my name, because Jesus is the mediator. I can't raise up somebody else to be my mediator, you know, because through Jesus, we have direct access to speak to God. And so no one has the excuse to say that other people are close to God, so they should be the ones to go. We each have a responsibility to draw close to God on our own initiative and keep drawing close to Him continually all the time. Not just a one-time thing. I can't just draw close to God once and think that I'm done. Now, am I saying that you can't ask someone to pray for you and make requests to God for you? No, that's fine. That's, that's the type of prayer we call supplication. That's fine. The problem was this lady thought she could skip going to God at all by having someone else go for her. That's the problem. And see, this is why this falls under a gray area. Because under normal circumstances, that lady would have no problem praying for her sister-in-law that way. Because it, it wasn't a bad request. Okay? It was the motive that was bad. So in that particular case, this red flag goes up in her heart. Because God was letting her know that her sister-in-law's request, the, the, the motive behind her request was not on the level. There's something not right here. Okay? It's something, it's not above board. It's not, it's not she, she's withholding something. She's not being completely honest about the request. But she might not be aware that that's the problem. Okay. So what it is, is, is it turns out that there's this heart issue that needed to be addressed in that case. And she did address it. As soon as she said that, she said, oh, no, no. That's, that's a problem. She told her exactly what the problem was. You need to go to God on your own. I'll, I will pray for you, but you need to go to God on your own too. See? So that was a special case. That's a gray area. Okay? Jesus told us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. When dealing with people, you know. So really, God has given us a lot of freedom in our choices. In fact, complete freedom, Really? I mean we're not free to uh to um commit sin. I mean but I mean you can, but of course there's consequences. You know. Um but we have a lot of freedom. And uh but because of that though we can see how easily it is to slip up, especially or how easy it is to split up to slip up because of this gray area. I mean, when it comes to sin, it's like I can identify that pretty easily. If I'm in the Word, I can identify sin pretty easily. I can identify God's Word pretty easily. I can see that, uh, or, or I mean, what's good in God's Word. I mean, is God, pleased, is God pleased when we offer Him worship? Is He pleased when we come to Him in spirit and in truth, when we pray, when we seek Him? Is He pleased by those things? Yeah, so, so it's easy to identify a good decision. It's also easy to identify a, a bad decision. But when it comes to these middle-of-the-road things, it's like, okay, got to rely on God here. You know, but even if we make a mistake in a gray area like this, there's grace. You know, Romans 8.28, we know all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That's not an excuse to go out and make a bunch of mistakes. But it, it, it is a safety net, if you will, that God has put into place. Because we try we try to do right, and if we mess up in this type of situation, you know, I mean, I've, I've done that where people come down and, and ask for prayer, and it's like, after we get done, I'm like, probably should have said no to that, you know, probably should have said, let's wait, and, or, or at least let me give you some teaching on this before we, before we pray, because what are they expecting when they come down here? Their, their, their expectation may be wrong, so I may have to say, okay, well, this is what you can expect from God. Because, I mean, if I just pray over and send them on their way, then, you know, I mean, you lay hands on someone sometimes, and it's like you're laying hands on a doorknob. It's like, okay, they're not receiving anything, you know. So my advice is don't be too hard on yourself and seek to please God in the yes or no that you give to people, but also in the yes or no that you give to God. Himself. Flip back to that passage we started with in Mark. See, because I mean, a person can say no to God. That's probably never a good idea. Because God won't ask us to do something that's wrong, so there's no reason to tell him no. At least no, uh, no moral reason, or no good reason to tell him no. <laughs> no acceptable reason. It's interesting because the word talks about learning to approve of the things that God approves of. I come into agreement. God tells me I approve of this, of this thing. God says I approve of when um, when 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 people pray in Jesus' name. He approves of that. And if I if I come into agreement with Him, if I say I approve of that, I agree with you, God, that that is is something that is good. See, I can do that, you know. And then. God likes that. <laughs> so here in Mark again, let's look at the verse twenty one again. It says then Jesus looking at him, as says after he's asked, asked what you know, then Jesus looking at him, loved him. You know, Jesus loves you, right? He does. Looking at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this guy, so you see here, he, he why is he sad? He did, he, 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 it's true, he doesn't want to give up his stuff, but if he didn't, if he didn't want to take Jesus up on the offer, he wouldn't have been sad. He would have been like, no. But he's sad. So, really, what it is is that he de- he that that showed that he had a desire to follow Jesus, but he didn't desire it enough to lay down his stuff. Really, Jesus was asking him to say yes to something he didn't want to, which would, was to part ways with his possessions the stuff he was carrying, it could be anything you're carrying, anything you're dragging with you, anything you won't let go. That's the price. Jesus said, lay it down. Follow me. You know? God does that. He calls us to do things that we don't want to do. He called me to go to Bible college. I didn't want to do that. I had no desire at all to do that but I did it anyway after a time of arguing with him and now I'm so glad that I did it because I'm here with you all you know if I didn't say yes to God about that I'd still be saved but I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be here I'd be elsewhere Okay. if this guy in the story had answered Jesus' call to make him Lord okay he, he may have ended up doing awesome things for God in the early church. We may have even known him by name in the Bible here. Do you think about that? We might have known him by name if he had, if he had followed Jesus in his earthly ministry. When, because because think about this. When Jesus called Matthew at his tax collector's booth, he said, follow me. That's all he said, follow me. Matthew immediately left everything and followed Jesus. If Matthew hadn't done that, would we know him by Matthew? Or would we just know him by just a man who went away sorrowful because he was making a lot of money as a tax collector? I wonder about that. Because this rich young ruler here, he asked Jesus what he could do, what what do I do to inherit eternal life? What do I do? Jesus told him, follow the commandments. He listed off, he listed off these commandments. And he said, I, "He actually said, I have taken care. I have guarded. If you look at the Greek, I have done that. I have guarded it. I have kept these commandments. Okay? Implying, but then also, because by saying that, well, he was also implying, what more can I do? What more is there to be done, if anything? Jesus didn't give him further commandments. Or, or he, and he didn't give him some ritual to perform. Instead, he responded by calling him into a deeper relationship with him. Oh, you want to do more? Follow me. Come into a deeper, closer, more intimate relationship with me. Hmm. There are decisions that we make that can change the entire course of our lives. And so because our feelings are not trustworthy I may feel like I want something but that doesn't mean that that thing is right. So because my feelings are not trustworthy when considering whether I should say yes or no that means that as a Christian this becomes a question of drawing ever closer to God because God will direct my path. Trust in don't trust in your own understanding. Lean on, Do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in God and he will what? Direct your paths. Okay, in that, in directing your paths, that, that includes his help in knowing when we should say yes or no to things. Amen? Was this helpful to you? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for always calling us closer. Calling us deeper. The further I walk with you, the more change you break off of me, the more free you make me, the more clean you wash me, you just you just keep being good and good and good, and there is no end to your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Father God, you give All of us here, opportunities to minister. Give us words to speak. Prepare the hearts of those that you're going to set before us, Father, to hear what you have to say. Give us the words. And then help us to operate in the gifts as well. We thank you, Lord, and praise you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you're all dismissed.